We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Week 12 is upon us. Welcome in to the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored by BetMGM. As always, use our promo code BetRoto, B E T R O T O, over at betmgm.com or on the BetMGM app. That will make your first wager risk free up to $1,000. Again, that's BetRoto over at BetMGM. I am Nick Whalen, joined as always. By John McKechnie. John, you're uh, you're coming to us this week uh, from the great state of Maryland, uh, where sports betting is just launched. By the way, uh, we're, we're going hard on that over at RotoWire. If you need any other promo codes, check out RotoWire.com for everything Maryland betting related. What's going on with the backdrop here? You, you look like you're in, uh, you know, some sort of uh, Oriental rug store, uh, possibly like an underground uh, Victorian bunker of some sort. I, I like it. The acoustics sound fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a change of scenery. Uh, Believe it or not, you know, I did not uh, design this room. I'm up at uh, my mom's house, which, you know, as a true guy who works for an internet website, uh, that's just classic. Uh, So this time of year, you know, you relish, you almost feel more powerful uh, posting from your mom's basement uh, than any other place in the world. Um, But yeah, we, we got the house renovated a little while ago and is kind of like a little uh, we, we call it the secret room uh, because mm. the when you come into the house, you look over and there's just a bookshelf. But if you go to the bookshelf and give it a little nudge, opens up into this wonderful room that also doubles as a phenomenal podcasting studio. Mm. Look at this. Yeah. I mean, little did they know that <clears throat> when they did those renovations, uh, you'd be using this as a, as a makeshift studio. But I like it. It gives us a, uh, a real on the road feel here uh, ahead of the holidays. And uh, yeah, before we jump in, we got a full slate this week. Finally, no buys, uh, all 32 teams in action. We got two more bye weeks coming up, uh, but looking forward to, to talking about every team this week. Before we dive in on the full slate, uh, I, I want to kind of separate these three Thanksgiving games. You know, give this pod a little bit more shelf life. Obviously, those games will be played tomorrow as we record here midday Wednesday. Uh, so we'll get that out of the way first. Then we'll preview the Sunday and Monday slate. But we got Bills Lions, we got Giants Cowboys. We got Patriots Vikings coming to us on Thanksgiving Day. Two big numbers in those earlier games. Bills, nine and a half point favorites on the road. Dallas Cowboys, nine and a half point favorites at Bet MGM. They are home to the New York Giants. And then the Vikings sitting as two and a half point home favorites after being home dogs last week. And <laughs> seemingly right, rightfully, rightfully so. so. <laughs> yeah, based on what happened there. You and I kind of got sucked into that trap. I, uh, you know, I, Look, I, I was not super confident about Minnesota winning in, in that situation. I kind of default to the home team, but that was maybe the most classic example of what do they know that I don't know? And look, I did not see the Vikings losing that game by 37 points, but they were never really in it. I mean, Kirk Cousins getting strip sacked on the third play of the game. Uh, turns out that set into motion uh, a full on beatdown by the Cowboys. Yeah, that that was a rough watch, uh, especially as a Vikings backer. In that one, that that was a, a one that you know quick knew quickly uh, was getting out of hand and, and certainly not going to end up in your favor. And uh, it, when you see that the Cowboys scored forty points and you're on the over, you're like, okay, at least I can get this guy right. 
Uh, no, uh, Minnesota contributed all of three points. So we ended up four points shy of at least, you know, get, getting the total correct on that one. So that was just, yeah, a, a classic uh, pantsing really uh, of Kirk Cousins and, and yeah. company just in broad daylight. Everyone saw it. Uh, and uh, that, that was a tough scene. And, and it obviously that game had such a loud, you know, kind of resonating effect. And now we kind of have to deal with both of them on this Thursday slate as well. So that makes it particularly tricky. You know, how much do you, uh, you know, com- compartmentalize what happened on Sunday and how do you apply it uh, to, to this week with both of them being on short weeks? Yeah, I, I think you put it perfectly. It was a good old fashioned pants job by the Dallas Cowboys. That was as much of a one-sided wire-to-wire beatdown as you're going to see. And, and honestly, I mean, Dallas kept their starters in on both sides of the ball way later than I thought, but they were still kind of easing off the, off the throttle. I mean, they, they could have put up 50 on the Vikings if they really wanted to in that game. And by the second half, to me, it just felt like Minnesota knew that they couldn't do anything against that Dallas pass rush. I think Cousins was sacked seven times. It felt like more like 15 times. And they were just trotting out there on offense and saying like, all right, let's just get out of here as fast as we can. Like, we'll just go quick three and out, give them the ball back. Hopefully they burn some time and we could just get this game over with. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the the one positive for Minnesota is you do get this game at home. So at least you're not traveling on the short week, but having to bounce back from that uh, and play four days later, uh, on national TV. It's not ideal. Now, a primetime game for Kirk Cousins. Christian Derrissaw is not going to play in this game. That was a big reason uh, why Micah Parsons and that Dallas defensive line were able to run wild. So to me, that is, you know, as the spread implies, uh, by far the, the most intriguing game on the slate. But well, we'll go in chronological order here. Bills-Lions, uh, total sitting at 54 and a half, John. That is tied for the highest total of the season uh, per our friends over at rotowire.com. We got a great uh, research tool on the site. Our tech team built that one out this year. You can search through spreads going all the way back to the 80s. The five highest totals this season have all involved either the Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs. That That's a great little little nugget there. And, and yeah, I love that page. You and I both use that every single week for, for our respective picks columns. Uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, you just go to Rotowire, go to the sports betting section, and you go to the historical odds page and bada bing, bada boom, you can add so many different filters uh, you can even adjust for for like you know opponent uh, home line uh, all like the list goes on. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. It's it's a powerful powerful page, and like you said, you can you can track that stuff back all the way in, into into the eighties before we, when we were just twinkles in our father's eyes. No, exactly, exactly. And I, I can I can tell you, my dad, you're not not a big sports better. I don't think he was diving into uh, you know Packers lines uh, back in the eighties, but. Uh, like you said, I mean, that, that tool goes way, way back uh, and, and, you know, another hat tip to our tech team for building that out. I, this number feels a little high to me. I'll say, uh, you know, the, the bills, they did bounce back against the Browns, you know, ended up pushing, I think that line closed, uh, right. Was it eight, uh, I believe. Eight, yeah. So yeah. So they end up pushing that one, you know, some garbage time production by the Cleveland Browns in that game. But, uh, it's still you know, another slow start for the bills. You know, Stefan Diggs disappointed with his usage. In the first half of that game, he did pick it up in the second half. It's a lot of respect, I think, you know, kind of remaining with the Bills, who, you know, had two straight letdowns prior to last week. You know, Josh Allen still doesn't feel like he's back to like superhuman status at this point. You know, you do wonder if the elbow is still lingering at all. And Detroit's the hottest team in the league right now. And, you know, say what you want about, you know, coming from behind to beat the Bears and, and beating a bad Packers team at home a couple of weeks ago, but they took it too the New York Giants. That was my best bet last week. You know, listeners of this pod will be shocked that that did not hit. Uh, I, I thought that was a really good spot for the Giants. They got absolutely bullied, uh, literally, in that game. They came out of it with a bunch of injuries. They're going to be in a brutal spot against Dallas in the afternoon window, and we'll get to that game in a sec. But, uh, you know, going to Detroit, I, I know Buffalo's not staying in Detroit, by the way. They did go back, and they're flying back to Detroit today, uh, which not that big of a deal to me. Pretty short flight. Obviously, the snow has passed at this point. But nine and a half, is that right to you? Is that a little high, a little low? Um, I, I think it's it's a good number to, to kind of get the the split action. So, um, you know, it's, if the Bills were anything under nine, I, I think that uh, everyone would be all over the Bills. But I, I think, you know, with, with this, you know, having to be where the Bills cover or win by 10 at least, uh, I think that, that then you you get a little bit more interest on, on the Lions side of things. And that, that's where I'm at with it. The Lions, like you said, they've been playing well. Uh, they seem to have kind of overcome that October swoon. They started the year well or competitive at, at the very least, and then 
things were really starting to fall apart there. And and uh, right when I fully jumped off, uh, they, they go ahead and beat the Packers. And they, they've been playing well ever since, obviously. I think they have the offense to, to hang. Um, the, the one thing I do wonder about when it comes to the Bills, and, and like you alluded to with Josh Allen maybe not playing his sharpest right now, I think what does help is that in – in the in recent weeks, especially last week, we did see their run game get going a little bit in a more conventional way. We started to see Devin Singletary get used a little bit more. Started to see James Cook get more involved. That's good to see. Uh, explosive player. I don't think he can ever be like a high volume guy, but um, as far as like a change of pace burner out of the backfield when the defense is tired, you don't want to chase the rabbit like that. Um, so when you when you have that set up, that that adds some nice cushion. For Buffalo, but you know when, when I when I break down this game, I just think the Lions are playing well enough to keep this one competitive in the early window, and we get treated to a pretty good game where the Bills end up winning by a touchdown. Yeah, I I, I don't know what to think about Detroit because they were so so bad for so many weeks, and and they were banged up, and you know DeAndre Swift still not really back to where he was earlier in the season. The snap count kind of trickles up and up each week, but you know he had fewer snaps than Justin Jackson last week and you know they, they found ways to make it work certainly with Jamal Williams but yeah I think I'm leaning Detroit on this number I think the Bills do win the game but I'm not sure I'm quite ready uh to dive back in on the Bills just being this complete wagon uh week to week uh how do you feel about this total 54 and a half are, are you thinking about going going over on the highest total of the year that I'd love to and that'd be such a fun way for for the Thanksgiving slate to start but uh, that's just a little bit too rich for my blood the 54 yeah. and a half like that's that's a lot of points. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and say that, that by virtue of the Lions covering that the score ends up being a, a little bit lower and it doesn't end up being, you know, the, the Bills hanging up 40 and, and then the, the Lions taking care of the rest. So I'll take I'll take the Lions and the under. Yeah, I, I like this as like a 28-21 type of game for the Bills. Um, yeah, I, I think you know, both of these offenses are, are certainly capable of putting up points, but I, I think we see a little bit of regression at least for the Lions going up against this Bills run defense that looked fantastic uh, against Nick Chubb last week. Um, and the Lions defense, by the way, showing up out of nowhere. I mean, they, they put up some points on the Giants, but also completely uh, stuffed Saquon Barkley that entire game. Uh, let's go to the New York Giants. This is a rough, rough spot for the Giants. Uh, extremely long injury report. It was one. Of, it was like a scroll, you know, when they unfurled it uh, at the presser on Monday. Adoree Jackson, uh, their, their number one corner. He's injured. Uh, he's going to miss a couple weeks. Obviously, will not play in this game. Uh, feels like pretty much everybody's banged up. That receiving core is decimated. Uh, the skill position players outside of Saquon Barkley remain underwhelming. And obviously, Dallas, you know, that they're probably at their highest point right now coming off of that 40-3 to win. Right. So that that's the scary part. It's like D- Dallas had, the, had their week that everyone knew they had in them somewhere. And, you know, what do they do just a couple days after that? Are they able to build on that or do they, they kind of sink back down to, you know, kind of where they've been uh, in, in recent weeks where the solid, but maybe a little bit unspectacular. But I, I think even more so the, the regression case for, for the Giants is stronger. I think that they kind of got way out ahead of where they were supposed to be. And it's coming back to earth. They've lost two of their last three. Um, they're going on the road here. And I just I feel like the, the Giants are in big, big trouble here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you fall behind uh, and you they don't have the weapons to catch up. I, I know you mentioned like the defensive wrinkle of it, of it and how long that injury report is. But on offense, you know, they, they lose Wandale Robinson for, for the year. They just don't really have anyone to throw to anymore. And, and you know, Bellinger's been, been out with that nasty looking eye injury. Uh, so all of a sudden Darius Slayton kind of has to be your guy. And like I like Darius Slayton as like your wide receiver three, but. Yeah. Uh, that, that you're in you're in tough uh, in dire straits, really, uh, when, when he has to be the guy carrying your passing game. Uh, Daniel Jones is going to be under duress a lot. Um, th- this one, I feel a little bit more comfortable back in the heavy favorite. So I, I'm on the Cowboys here. Same here. Didn't, excuse me. Didn't think about this one all that much. I mean, it, especially if it, if it hangs around at nine and a half. I love that. If it gets to 10, you know, then maybe you think about it. That's a key number. But nine and a half. I think that is a, a very, very friendly number for the Cowboys at home. And, you know, could be somewhat of a letdown spot for Dallas. Obviously, you know, everything went right for the Cowboys last week, and you can't necessarily expect that. But uh, again, really, really tough spot for the Giants. And you mentioned Slayton. He went alarmingly high in our Thanksgiving Day fantasy draft last night uh, on the SXM show, which, look, I mean, he's the number one receiver for the Giants, and they'll they'll likely be playing from behind in this game. But I think this Dallas defense, man, they're, they're going to be licking their chops 
for this matchup. Pats Vikings. This is a, a, a fantastic game. There's been so many games this year that feel like they're played at the perfect time where you know, both of these teams, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of line up in complete opposites where Minnesota, you know, picking itself off the mat, uh, a, a negative point differential team right now, despite being eight and two in firm control uh, of the NFC North, they're going to win that division, um, you know, for better or for worse, they're probably going to get a home playoff game, but that loss last week, I mean, that was a, one of those losses that completely forces a reevaluation. Neither of us were, were ever saying that they were as good as their record would have suggested. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't think that they quite had that, that level of meltdown in them that, that uh, was present this past Sunday, but I, I think that they bounced back and I'm just a, I'm a big doubter of, of this Patriots team. I, I don't think Mac Jones is very good. I don't think the offensive weaponry is all that impressive once you get uh, beyond the running backs, essentially. Um, so I, I think Minnesota snaps back in, in, in here, and I, I love this number, two and a half. Um, I, I feel like uh, it, it's not my best bet. I, I actually think that the the under for this game would be my, my best bet in this spot because I do worry about the Patriots and, and Matthew Judon, our guy with the red sleeves coming in, you know, that's a, that's a little bit scary when there's no Christian Derrissaw to, to try to slow him down. But um, so I think it's a low scoring game. I, th- I think the Vikings win it by a field goal or four points and we, you know, kind of get in, get out at that point. And, you know, a- as far as your, your kind of Thanksgiving program, like wh- where are you food wise kickoff of the first game, right. second game. And, and, you know, at, at this stage when, when the night game kicks off, you know, wh- where are you at? How do you sequence things? Uh, well, look, it's it's not up to me, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we do Thanksgiving uh, with my fiance's family. However, thankfully, uh, she has three brothers. She has a dad who loves football, uh, so so football is the priority. And uh, you know, they, they've been very accommodating to me. It's, it's always like, "What well, do you need to watch this for work?" And I'm even even if the answer is sometimes no, I'm like, "Yes, I do. I, I absolutely <laughs> need to watch this." So the TV will be on. I don't know what time we'll be sitting down for the official dinner, but I, I anticipate being uh, a scenario where you know we, we probably eat maybe early afternoon. And then there's just kind of like a gradual grazing through yes. the rest of the night. You know, obviously way too much food will be made. I think that happens at pretty much every Thanksgiving dinner around the country. Uh, so I try to pace myself. You know, it's hard. It's really difficult. You know, I, I try to spread things out, go uh, a little bit of everything. But uh, I'm a green bean casserole guy, first and foremost. And I was on the DraftKings show this morning. I mentioned that. And, you know, the, a lot of East Coasters on that show, they're like, I don't know what that is. They, they had said that I don't know what green bean casserole is they said i've heard of green beans that's good that's a good start uh is this is this just a midwest thing um i'd say casseroles in general have more of midwestern sure. uh tinge to to them um I, I think that casserole in general not not as big on the east coast but i th- i feel like that that's a relatively national thanksgiving thing is, is some form of green bean dish and and when you make it casserole form, I mean, that that's that's a great way to get your veggies. You know, the, the Jolly Green Giant is pleased by, by your actions. Even if, it, you. you know, it's surrounded with a, a cream of uh, chicken soup on top of it, you know, hey, we're still getting those green beans in there. We're still getting our fiber, uh, getting our vi- various vitamins. So we're feeling good. Yeah. Well, for me, it's all about the the crispy fried onions on the top. Uh, you know, that really makes the green bean casserole. Other than that, it's, it's basically just green beans with a little bit of sauce. But uh, anyway, I'm... I don't know what to make of this game. It's a pretty big stay away for me. I mean, you, you could, I was writing up my beating the book article, which will go live on the site uh, later this afternoon. And like, you could totally see a situation where, where Minnesota bounces back. They, they have you know vastly better weapons on offense. I think this Pats defense is, is good. I, I don't know if it's great. I don't think it's on the Cowboys level. And I think it might be a little bit overinflated coming off of a game against the Jets. I mean, again, a lot of credit goes to the Patriots. At no point did the Jets threaten to score a touchdown in that game. But at the same time, at no point did the Pats threaten to score either. So I, I think the, the Pats defense and, you know, the, the way that they're able to game plan, I think if you look at Mac Jones, like raw numbers from the Jets game, you're like, oh, he played okay. You know, he, he was efficient, didn't make any mistakes, didn't have a turnover. I mean, he was sacked a ton of times. He, he, I think he's now the most sackable quarterback in the league. He has zero <laughs> elusiveness whatsoever. No. It's, it's him and Matt Ryan now that he's back in the saddle with the Colts. But like if, if a rusher is anywhere near Mac Jones, he just turtles up and, and just kind of falls to the ground. So if Minnesota is able to get any sort of pass rush in this game, I, I think they have a good chance at home. But I'll tell you right now, I, I'm leaning Patriots. Uh, I, I think I think Minnesota like that loss last week. I mean, that again, it forces you as a as a fan, as an analyst to reevaluate the Vikings. But I think internally they got to be doing some soul searching as well. 
No, it, it was it was that bad. So I mean, I definitely don't hate the Patriots pick. I'm I'm on the Vikings, but like I, that's certainly not not something that I would you know proverbially in, in your uh, in your picks league. Uh, I would not have them with with the high particular amount of confidence. That'd be that'd be you know maybe one or two points. You know, it's, oh, yeah. I'm that torn on this game. It's it's that game. It's Bengals Titans and it's Steelers Colts. Those are all in contention for the one pointer this week uh, in the Pick'em League. But we'll get to those other games uh, in a second. Uh, any other thoughts uh, on these three Thanksgiving games, or should we move on? Uh, let, let's keep it rolling. I, I'm excited for it. I think we we do get treated to even with a couple of high spreads. I think we're going to get some entertaining football on on Thursday. And what more can you ask for? No, exactly. This is one of the better slates. And it's, it's a shame that the Giants are involved. Uh, yeah, we'll see about the Lions. But uh, this is I, I would give this like a solid B plus, especially relative uh, to some of these past few years, Thanksgiving games. Uh, let's get into you know our normal format here. Lines that are too high or too low, focusing on these Sunday and Monday games. Uh, what do you got? Any, anything stand out to you is too high? Um, let's see here. I think maybe you could say that the Broncos being favored by as much as they are, even though it is against the Panthers. Uh, that that just feels a little bit uh, funky to me. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it that just feels like a pick'em t- type of game more, more than anything. Uh, I, I had eyes on the Panthers this past weekend. I know they're they're moving uh, to Darnold. They're moving off of Baker, so so possibly uh, they'll be able to avoid the four turnover fourth quarter like they had uh, up in up at the Big Crab Cake this past weekend. But even still. Um, I don't know. The Broncos are just so bad. They lost twice to the Raiders. Like that, you can't really feel like they're 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 a strong team to be favored in any game. I, I suppose the Panthers would be the only one in which uh, you could you could see it. And I know the Bucks just just came off the a win and a bye, but I I haven't trusted them on the road this year. And and the two times that they haven't covered on the road, they've actually lost outright. Uh, but mm-hmm. both against the the Steelers and the Panthers. So. I'm kind of of the opinion that if you like the Browns to cover, sprinkle on the money line as well because there, there's a pretty good chance that they come out with, with the with the outright victory in in that one. And you know, Tom Brady, Michigan man, will be playing in the state of Ohio. Uh, they're they're going to be casting all sorts of spells and aspersions at, uh, in his direction from from the stands. So yeah, take that for what you will as well. Yeah, I. That one to me, I thought about throwing in this zone. I, I just, I really need to see it for one more week with the Bucks. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't give them any credit for beating the Rams, squeaking by the Rams, by the way, uh, two weeks ago, uh, a game that they probably should have lost. And, you know, I think they played arguably their best game of the year in Germany against Seattle. And it did feel like they unlocked something like that win to me that, that showed me a lot. I, I really liked Seattle in that game. They were, they were underdogs. I, I didn't understand it. Turned out that line was correct. And, you know, Tampa Bay being able to to run the ball at all makes such a huge difference for this offense. And you know they got Rashad White going. Leonard Fournette was a little banged up. The question is, can you continue to do that? And and this this Browns defense is exploitable, but in some ways, like I, I find myself wondering, was was that Germany game against Seattle? Was that just Tampa Bay's version of how the Packers played against the Cowboys? And you know it turned out that was all just one elaborate ruse, and they fell back to earth last week. Yeah, I'm kind of opinion. I think the Buccaneers have some serious problems, and I, obviously, I think the Browns do as well. But I, I'm just not sure. Like, I, I think the Browns, the, their worst facet uh, on either side of the ball is their ability to stop the run. And despite Tampa getting a little bit of something going on the ground last time out, I, I just I don't think that they can exploit it quite enough uh, here to to come out with like that balanced attack. So I still think that we see Tom Brady with a ridiculous amount of pass attempts in this one. And I think that, you know, there is something to be said for uh, that Browns pass rush. We saw that really uh, vividly against the Bengals on that Monday night or a few weeks ago. Um, so, you know, you, you definitely have some concern for, for the edge guys, Clowney and, and Garrett getting after Brady, because even if he isn't quite as sackable as, as one Mac Jones, uh, he can be gotten to. He can. I mean, he's, he's no more elusive than Mac Jones. He's just significantly better at getting rid of the ball. And and I'm with you. I yes. mean, the script, the script this year, 90% of the time for Tampa Bay has been, all right, we're going to try to run for the first two drives of the game. We're going to get stuffed. And then Tom Brady's going to throw the ball 48 times for an average depth of target of like six yards. Um, and <laughs> look, when you have Godwin and, and Evans and you know, they, they kind of got Julio Jones going, he had a long touchdown in Germany uh, that could work, but it, it's, it still feels a little clunky to me. So I need to see one more week from Tampa Bay. And if that holds at three and a half, I kind of like the Browns to cover that number at home. I'll take Tampa to win, but I think this could be like a 23, 20 type of game. Yep. Well, well said, well said. 
Um, but that that was pretty much it as far as my okay. my lines that are that are a little bit uh, too high. And that that's while still recognizing that there are two gigantic spreads on, on the board for Sunday that 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 must be covered one way or the other with, with the Chiefs, fourteen and a half, fifteen. Uh, you know that that just says so much about the Rams and of course you know the Texans. Uh, they they breaking news here. Uh, they will be officially moving away from Davis oh, yeah. Mills. That that came across the wire just a few minutes ago. Uh, yeah, Kyle Allen time in Houston, and and that number is is kind of holding at at thirteen and a half right now in favor of the Dolphins. That game is in Miami. Dolphins coming off of a bye. I mean, this could be this could be a, a massive smash spot. You would think for that Miami offense, and uh, you know, Davis Mills has been so bad this season. Uh, you know, started last week with a pick six that essentially buried the Texans right away. That I, I don't think moving to Kyle Allen really changes much for me. I, I think it's it's somewhat of a lateral move. I, I think the number reflects that, uh, but we could dig a little bit more into that game later on. Not, not a ton to say there. Uh, I will I will go with the the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they are one and a half point favorites on the road at Tennessee. To me, this could easily be flipped. I, I think the Titans they were three point dogs at Green Bay last week. I get that you know short week. You're out in the cold. It's at Lambeau Field. Packers were coming off of a win over Dallas. We'd seen Green Bay a few times in the past have these kind of shaky starts to the year. And then there's this line of demarcation where Aaron Rodgers puts his foot down and everything changes. And it felt like if Green Bay had been able to win that game, maybe this could be another one of those runs. But I'm surprised we're not seeing a little more respect uh, being put on the Titans name. One and a half point dogs at home. I, I get it. The Bengals, you know, Jamar Chase is practicing. Joe Burrow said today that he expects Jamar Chase to play. That certainly changes things. But still, I, I, I'm not sure that the Titans should be dogs here. No, I don't either. Uh, the the dog or the Titans are are particularly awesome against the number uh, when they are on the road. But you know, at home they've been good and just a, as underdogs in general. Um, since that Buffalo game, they're four and zero against the spread uh, with uh, when they're underdogs and three and one in that stretch uh, straight up with the one loss coming against the, uh, the Chiefs on the road. So that they they like playing at, at with that like extra chip on their shoulder. They're a team that doesn't need that. But when they get it, you know, that that adds a little bit of extra fuel. They, they seem like the least fun team in the league to play against like that. That just like even if you beat them, you're not having a good time. No, and I, I think Ryan Tannehill played perhaps the best game of his career passing wise against Green Bay. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, some credit goes to the scheme. Maybe some of that uh, goes to Green Bay selling out to stop Derrick Henry, which they did an OK job of, at least on the ground. You know, Henry. Uh, did get in the end zone, uh, you know, via a screen pass, threw a touchdown in that game. But I mean, Ryan Tannehill vastly outplayed Aaron Rodgers as a passer at Lambeau Field in the cold with wind, with snow blowing around. It was, I, I don't know if we could expect that week to week from Tannehill, but uh, an impressive showing by him nonetheless. So I, I do feel like we might be walking into a little bit of a trap here, but I kind of like Tennessee at home. I, like you said, I think they are a a really, really difficult team uh, to prepare for uh, for any defense. What about on the other side? Any lines that stick out as too low to you? Um, I, I you know, call me Homer as as you will, or we might as well just go ahead and and you know take the gloves off here. But I, I do feel like the the Ravens only four point favorites in this one against the Jaguars. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I'd be comfortable with that one uh, up to five and a half. So um, that, that's just kind of where where I'm at with that one. Um, let's see. I think beyond that, um, I think also the Chargers, and I, I'm famously just unable to, to figure out the chargers for, for the most part. Um, but I, I feel like in this spot going up against the Cardinals, I, I know they, they just got smoked on, on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Cliff just said, we're going to flush it. We're just going to move on. That's all well and good. But um, you know, the, the Rondale Moore injury, um, I think that that's, that's definitely a concern. Uh, we, we don't think that Marquise Brown, sorry for the notifications. Um, uh, if, if he even is available, that he's going to be back to his full self. Uh, anyway, so I, I I don't think that the Cardinals really have that that juice right now, and I, I think that the Chargers, as long as they play their game and they're famous for for you know playing down to their competition, but I, I think in this spot, short trip, uh, not a particularly hostile environment they're, that they're going into, uh, I feel like this is a this is a spot where I, I would I would like the Chargers by a decent bit uh, more than that posted number. Right. I, I'm with you. I, I think the Chargers, you know, they've lost two out of three, but I, I think Justin Herbert is playing his best football of the season. I think he was far from the issue uh, against Kansas City. I mean, you just run into uh, the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think the defense obviously had some letdowns for the Chargers late in that game. Uh, you know, Derwin, Derwin James definitively lost the one on one battle to, uh, against Travis Kelsey in that game. I, I mean, 
I, I think the Chargers are undervalued at this point. And, and, you know, we'll see on Marquise Brown. Like you said, uh, you have a history with him uh, as an ex-Raven, uh, not exactly uh, pushing the timeline when it comes to to returning from injuries. No. But we also don't know about Kyler Murray. And, you know, the Cardinals have their bye coming up in week 13. So it, it kind of depends how they view this season. It's like, you know, if you lose this game, everything's probably over. Um, so do you push Kyler Murray? You know, does he push himself to come back for this game with the bye coming up? Do you wait, bring him back in full capacity for week 14? That's a big wait and see spot for me. But either way, I do like the Chargers. I'll also throw out the Seattle Seahawks um, coming off of a bye. Again, last time we saw them, you know, big time letdown performance in Germany against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they, they're home for the Raiders. And we've we've been tricked by the Raiders a number of times this year. I was all over that Denver minus two and a half at home last week. They should have won that game. The, the defense yes. of all units let them down. Like, this defense has been so good unless it's playing the the Denver Broncos. I mean, they're, they're, they got swept or excuse me, the Raiders, they got swept mm-hmm. by the Raiders this season. And I, I really thought this would be a, a spot where that defense is able to suffocate Derek Carr. Uh, that was not the case whatsoever. Devonte Adams going wild in that game. Josh Jacobs got back on track, but I'm not falling for this again. I am not falling back into the Las Vegas Raiders trap. Good for you. Standing strong, sticking to the, to the convictions. Yes, absolutely. And and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like the Seahawks by, by more than the, the posted number, three and a half. I think they can cover that with, with relative ease. You know, they're coming off the bye at home. They're a great, very good team at home, one, one of the places with, with a real home field advantage. So um, I, I feel like the Raiders could be walking into, you know, a situation where they, they look effectively like they have for, for the entire season, minus when they played the Broncos or the Texans. Yeah, that's the thing. Your, your two wins have come against the Broncos and, and the other against the Texans. This is not a good team. We need to keep reminding ourselves the Raiders are not a good team, despite having perhaps the best receiver in the NFL. And I am glad that at least Devontae Adams has kind of been able to separate himself uh, from the carnage that has been the Raiders this season. I mean, he, he's still on pace for a monster year. Um, any other lines to you that, that are a little low or should we start going game by game? Uh, let's start going game by game because the, the, this is definitely a, a slate this week that that um, the the numbers seem seem pretty right on in, in a lot of cases. So that makes me bit, very very. I've had a hard time picking a side for pretty much every single game this week. It's been tough. It has been. So I want to propose something to you uh, before we dive into the rest of the games. We got to knock out this read. Uh, we both lost our best bets last week. Shockingly, nobody's going to believe this. We we both went down. How about we alternate paragraphs here? I'll start. You pick up the next one, and we'll, we'll just kind of alternate till we get through this. Does that seem fair? Yes, I, I think we we both need to be wearing the dunce cap. Yeah. Uh, I think we, you know, we're equally uh, culpable for for our best bets uh, coming in as as big big L's last week. So so let's hit it. Would you like to lead us off? I would love to lead it off. Kick off week twelve of the NFL season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BetRoto. That's B E T R O T O, and your first wager is risk free up to. $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only must be 21 years or older to wager 19 or older in Ontario. This is a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons, MDPs. Please, please gamble responsibly. And folks, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. That's 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or Call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario. That's at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. 
Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right. I like that. I appreciate you splitting up the work. My, my throat is thanking you. Yes, you know, no, no problem. And again, you know, when we both both go down like that, I, I think it makes sense that we both have to do it. And and you know what? Uh, with uh, today being what it is, it is Wednesday, November 23rd. Sports betting officially legal where I am right now in the great state of Maryland, in the old line state, in the big crab cake. And uh, you know what? Uh, I just went ahead. I was so excited, so elated. Like you said, we've been putting in a lot of groundwork uh, promoting BetMGM over at Rotowire, especially with, with this launch. Went ahead, got myself officially signed up in Maryland earlier today. Right. And we got a parlay going right now on the World Cup. We're going to see how it goes in. I drafted it completely on vibes alone. I took, Sp- I took Spain money line because, of course, and uh, last I checked before we recorded, they were up 4-0. On, uh, I believe on- they won 7-0. Okay, so with that one, that one's in. We're good there. Um, the next one is Belgium. I got, I got the our nice friends in Belgium defeating the the Canadians. Also nice mm-hmm. friends, but you know, hey, uh, I got to pick a side there. Belgium, better chocolate. Uh, we'll go with them. And then in true uh, form of the nation of Switzerland, I have them tying against Cameroon. And if if all those results come in, mm-hmm. we're sitting pretty, buddy. I like it. I like it. Look at that. You're a company man. Just diving in right away. Is there a palpable buzz uh, around Maryland? Could you just tell when you woke up this morning that sports betting was legal? Yeah, it, it did have that same feeling as when you wake up on Christmas and you knew you, you're going upstairs. You know that Santa uh, has mm. has uh, adorned the tree uh, with with a, with a nice choo choo train. Yeah, you, you left a little parlay out there for Santa to fill out uh, overnight. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, let's let's go rapid fire through these games. We, we talked a little Broncos Panthers. Not a lot to say there. I mean, thirty six is the total out in Carolina. My goodness. I mean, as with every Broncos game, they will probably score somewhere between like nine and seventeen points. Uh, I mean, everyone has seen the stat uh, now that if the Broncos just scored eighteen points in regulation of every game, they'd be nine and one. <laughs> I don't see that trend uh, bucking anytime soon, and. Uh, this this to me has the feel of like a 13 to 10 type of game. So I, I don't want to talk any more about Broncos Panthers. It's going to be ugly. Uh, we talk Bucks Browns. Uh, let's go back into Ravens Jags. You know, you mentioned that this this uh, this number Ravens minus four, and I will say at some other unnamed sports books, it's down to three and a half. So a little bit of momentum here for the Jags coming off of the bye. But uh, I hate to say it, I'm with you here. I, I think the Jags. You know, Trevor Lawrence has played really well. These last two weeks. Now, one of those games came against the Raiders. So, you know, we know the rule. Got to throw that out. Uh, You know, they were plus three on the turnover differential against KC a couple weeks ago. Didn't matter. Still found a way to lose and and fail to cover that game. Uh, Lost by 10. Um, You know, the Jags have weapons. They're they're a fun team to watch. Not something you could say about the Jags for most of the last decade. But, uh, you know, this feels like kind of a worst case scenario for them with the Ravens seemingly having their letdown game last week. Right. And, and the Ravens have been, for the most part, a little bit better on the road for whatever reason. Um, I think that last week's sloppiness had to do with a, l- a little bit of rust factor. And I think also Lamar Jackson uh, being on the injury report with, with that right. illness. Um, you know, we, we saw him miss, miss the Chicago game completely uh, last year as a result of an illness. And uh, who could forget the Browns game a couple of years ago on, on the Monday night or so? If, it, if he's got a, a you know, he's, he's a tummy ache survivor. Um, but I think that that tummy ache, hopefully, uh, despite a Thanksgiving uh, heaping helping, hopefully Lamar Jackson's tummy will be feeling OK on, on Sunday. And if it is, mm-hmm. I think that they're in good shape. You got Mark Andrews, got his feet back under him. I'm a little bit concerned about like the Ronnie Stanley and, and Kyle Hamilton, those injuries from Sunday. But I, I think in general, uh, this is a team that that's really started to be able to find the run especially in the second half of games. I've noticed that that's kind of when they've been able to take off that happened against the Bucs, happened against the Saints, uh, and happened against the Panthers as well. So we'll see if it's an NFC South only uh, type of phenomenon. But in this particular instance, I feel like the Ravens are in a pretty good spot here to, to win this one and, and you know kind of continue to maybe look as good as the record might suggest. Um, so, yes, uh, on the Ravens here and, and fairly strong on it. Maybe the NFL should do a, be doing a little bit more 
uh, for tummy ache awareness. Maybe we make November uh, tummy ache awareness month where, you know, you could paint the end zones. You know, I, I don't know what the color of, of tummy ache is, but uh, I'd like to see the NFL, you know, step up here. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, as a Jags guy, I'm with you. I, I, the Jags struggle with running quarterbacks. I mean, they allowed like 100 rushing yards to Daniel Jones. Uh, not exactly a, an encouraging harbinger uh, when you're facing a, a seemingly healthy now Lamar Jackson. Uh, you alluded to some of the big spreads that we have this week, and Houston, Miami is one of them. This one hanging on at 13 and a half uh, right now. As you mentioned, Kyle Allen uh, going to be under center for the Houston Texans. I don't know that it matters. Uh, you know, I, I think the the case with Miami is is maybe maybe the Dolphins get caught looking ahead here. Uh, they have a you know potential game of the year at San Francisco. Next week, the return of Mike McDaniel. Uh, that, that's going to be a, a big-time banger. Looking forward to previewing that this time next week. But uh, do you see the Dolphins getting tripped up in any way here? I don't. Uh, but the, the the thing is, you know, anytime that you have a number uh, that, this big, you, you fear the backdoor. Um, but I just don't think that the Texans are going to be able to get off the mat in this one. Like They're going to give up some long touchdowns early on. And I, I think what also, what also kind of helps seal off the backdoor, as it were, is that the Dolphins – they have a run game now, like between between Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who, you know, that that was just like a really smart under the radar trade that they made at the deadline. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're a team that can not only get the lead here against the Texans, but also just kind of go ahead and, and you know, choke it out effectively in, in the second half and, and not really uh, let the Texans have those catch up possessions where, where they're playing really loose and the, and the defense is playing in, the, in those prevent type of, of situations. So. I don't worry about that too much here. I think that the Dolphins are able to cover this big number. I know the big numbers have been tough uh, for the favorites this season, of course, but I think that, you know, it's only going to stay that way for for so long. We started to see like favorites and and overs hit a little bit more last week. So I don't think we're ever going to get to where this season was 50-50 on on either side on totals and, and favorites and everything. It's been pretty strongly an under and underdog type of season but but in this spot definitely like the Miami Dolphins yeah I mean I feel like it's our obligation to to put the uh the notification out there that these double digit dogs are 10 and 4 ATS on the year but uh I'm with you on this one I think especially if it hangs at 13 and a half I really like Miami here uh Bears Jets yikes man uh Zach Wilson officially will not be starting this game uh it's gonna be Mike White I again the, the number has not moved I, I think we're, we're more so waiting on Justin Fields news and he seems to be moving in the right direction. They're doing a walkthrough in Chicago today. Uh, Matt Eberflus said, uh, you know, Justin Fields will, will be listed as limited. Uh, but again, he, he does seem to be moving in the right direction. It, you know, that shoulder injury is to his non throwing shoulder. He was able to, to play through it for a couple of series at the end of that game, obviously uh, was in considerable pain, but you know, I, for me going from Wilson to Mike white, you know, there, it felt like the jets needed to make some sort of change. I think they were on the verge of kind of losing that locker room with Zach Wilson. So I, I do think this is the right move for a team that is still very much in playoff contention in the AFC. Uh, I, I just, I do wonder how much of an upgrade Mike White truly is from Zach Wilson, but I think it gives this team at least a boost, you know, going into this game with Zach Wilson, it would have felt like there was an immense amount of Zach, uh, of pressure on Zach Wilson to kind of salvage a season, right? Like I, I think he would have had, he started this game, it would have been series to series. I think it would have been reminiscent of that Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi game uh, against the bears where it's like, all right, we're starting you, but if you mess up at all, you're out of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would have been, yeah, there's the shortest of leashes for, for old Zach. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, this could open the possibility of the jets kind of playing a little bit looser um, on offense. It it just felt so conservative in recent weeks, like Zach Wilson, just simply trying to not screw up, like you said, but, um, not at the same time, just not being able to move the offense in any appreciable way. So we've seen what Mike White can do. We saw, you know, that Bengals game wiped me out in Survivor last year. That was one of the more just insane outcomes that I can remember in, in recent years. Uh, can he find that magic again? I mean, the Bears defense is pretty bad, um, but I, I think as it stands uh, with Fields uh, likely being back, we, we think, and, and like you said, it's a non-throwing shoulder, but the for most quarterbacks, you know, you, you almost like completely brush it off if it's a non-throwing shoulder. But Fields runs the ball so much that like it's still kind of a problem, uh, you know, because if we take the running off the yep. table for Fields in any way, um, then he's just simply not as effective. Um, so like he's he's getting there as a passer, not there yet, needs to have that rushing threat. So if he if he's a little bit, re- uh, you know, reluctant to run, I think that could be a problem for the Bears and the Jets defense is obviously 
uh, a real salty bunch. So I wrote up in my in my column that, that I like the Bears, but I'm starting to waffle on that a little bit. And I, I don't think it's just that they benched Zach Wilson, but I, I think just like the the maybe loose nature in which the, the Jets could play on offense a little bit here, a little bit more free um, and the defense coming to play, bringing their hard hats. I think I like the Jets in the spot, actually, after after thinking it through a little bit more. Yeah, I'm on the Jets right now at four and a half. We'll see how that number moves. I think if Fields is, is ruled out, that could easily you know creep up to, to five and a half or six. Uh, you know, we'd be looking at a Trevor Simeon situation. Uh, not ideal for Chicago. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the running with Fields. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that that's you know the, the dominant part of his game right now. But it, it, I mean, last week, 18 carries. If you watch that game against Atlanta, uh, as I did in full, uh, to my peril, I was on the Bears. Um, a lot of those were designed runs. I mean, they were using him a, as a, a true runner more than they ever have. Uh, he's got, I mean, 15, 13, and 18 carries over the last few games. You know, early in the season, it was a lot of, all right, it's a design pass. He's just going to tuck it and run. I mean, these were, they were almost using him as, as more of an, like a Jalen Hurts type of role, like power running uh, between the tackles. And, and again, if he plays in this game, you got to imagine that's not quite as much uh, of the game script. So I, I think you got to lean defense here. And even if you're not, thrilled about Mike White if there's ever a time to introduce another quarterback it's against this Bears defense yeah this Bears defense is uh just not not what we what we're used to seeing from Chicago Mm -hmm. Chicago we're not used to them being really all that good anyway but usually the defense isn't the problem uh but but this year it definitely is I I think my stronger lean might be on the under 39 and a half at BetMGM I I just as bad as this Bears defense is, I don't know that we trust the Jets to to do a ton of heavy lifting as far as pushing that number over. And again, if it's Trevor Simeon, I, I mean, this could be like a three-point afternoon for that Bears offense. I mean, the Jets defense, they're in the same basket to me as the Broncos, where they, they, they get no love. Everything we talk about with the Jets is the struggles on offense, the quarterback situation. Nobody talks about the Jets you know, being a bona fide top five defense in just about every metric that you look at. Yeah, no, that they are. They have playmakers at every level. They're deep at every level. Um, you know, for for them to have hit on Sauce Gardner as, as hard as they have, I mean, what an amazing uh, rookie season for a corner. Which it, you know, that's that's tough to do. That's a tough transition, and he's yep. made it uh, very seamlessly. Quinn and Williams has really k- turned into the game record that they expected him to. Uh, got some playmakers in the linebacking core. So, yeah, it, it's and you know, re- I think. In general, uh, taking a defensive guy as, as your head coach in this day and age that, that can have some blowback, but it uh, they do play like a team that's coached by a defensive guy. Like it, it, it's clear which where the strength of this team is. Let's go to Falcons Commanders. Uh, this game is in Washington. Uh, Commanders, maybe the hottest team in the league right now, coming off of a, an easy win over the Houston Texans last week. Commanders sitting as four and a half point favorites at home here. Total is 41 at BetMGM. So I, I'm on the commanders here. Um, I know that the, the Falcons, that you know that, that game was a push against the Bears that, this past week. They haven't covered in quite some time, I don't think, since since week six. Um, and Washington is just – they're just playing well right now. I think that – and you can't even just say it's a function of the schedule. You know, they, they, they beat the Eagles handily. Uh, they, they took care of business uh, against Houston. I think that that's what we were looking at going into that game last week where it's like, do they let down in this spot? Do they have that luxury to, to, you know, just maybe kind of take a week off? I don't think so. They're, they're going to be at home. Uh, I went out, saw some old high school buddies on, on Monday. They're all Washington fans. Everyone's buzzing about Taylor Heineke. Everyone loves the guy. Um, and you know, the Falcons, that pass defense is still really bad. And when you have a receiving core with Terry McLaurin, and uh, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel and, and Taylor Heineke uh, not being bothered too much by the pass rush. This sets up pretty nicely for Washington. Literally the worst pass rush in the league uh, you're going up against here uh, in Atlanta. And, you know, Falcons coming off of a win. They, In some ways, I think we're lucky to win that game against Chicago. The, you know, the kick return by Cordero Patterson really mm-hmm. flipped that game on its head. I think if that doesn't happen, they, they probably lose. And maybe this number uh, is a half point higher. But I'm with you. I mean, you got to go with the commanders. They're 3-0 and ATS as favorites. This season, I think they're in a really good spot here, and amazing to me that they've had this turnaround. I mean, they were we were leaving them for dead week five, week six. I mean, it, it looked like uh, they were headed toward a disaster season, and uh, in steps Taylor Heideke. But I'm with you on that. I, I like Commanders minus four and a half at home. We talk Chargers, Cardinals. We talk Raiders, Seahawks. That brings us to the highest spread of the week. Uh, relatively low total in this game, and we'll dig into why that may be. 
the Kansas City Chiefs, 14 and a half point favorites over the LA Rams, who we just got word, John, are expected to be starting Bryce Perkins in this game. Wow. Um, Bryce Perkins, a, a guy who I really enjoyed watching in college and never thought for one second would be starting an NFL game. Uh, that Let alone for the defending Super Bowl champions. <laughs> it, so it, it, I've been spinning this one through my head. Is this the most pathetic title defense you've ever seen? I'd have to, to to kind of do the research on this, but my my instincts say yes, definitely. I mean, the Rams might be the second worst team in the league. Like there there have been plenty of letdowns. There have been very few uh, where a team goes from literally the best in the league to one of the three worst in the league, and a team that you know is, is suddenly you know favored by or is a you know two touchdown dog. Obviously, this is like the worst case scenario matchup against the Chiefs. So that is factoring in here. It's at Kansas City. Uh, Chiefs are running hot right now, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, even when Cooper Cup was healthy, even when Stafford was "quote unquote" healthy, this team just never had it. Like at no point did the Rams uh, feel like they were playing inspired football. It's, it's it's astonishing, and you know the run defense is kind of the one thing that they've been able to to hang their hats on. But even that is starting to slip in recent weeks. Right, and it's like that. That's all well and good uh, if you're slowing down Isaiah Pacheco and company. Uh, and I, th- I think I just saw on the on the wire that that Ceh is going on IR. I think he's got an ankle, um, but. You know, you stop the run all you want, but like you really just want to dare Patrick Mahomes to throw on you more. Like it just feels like, uh, you know, something that's not going to work out. So I think the Rams are officially on shutout watch here. So that just Ooh. means do do the do the Chiefs score more than two touchdowns on Sunday? And my lean, I'm going to go yes. take is yes. So therefore, yeah. I, even though that that number is nauseating. I, I think that, that this ends up just being a romp and, and you know, pe- people will really start asking about like, does McVay want to do this anymore after this week? I, I have a a sneaking suspicion that this is not going to be like a, you know, it's not going to be like 45 to three or anything like that. Like I, I think the chiefs just take care of business here. I, I think they do cover. I mean, again, huge number, but I just, I have no faith in, in the Rams who, you know, they, they part ways with Darrell Henderson uh, this week, you know, that seemingly they're coming full circle with Cam Akers. Who's now the guy, uh, you know, with Bryce Perkins without Cooper Cup, like there, there are just a million things working against the Rams in this game. But I, I see this as a Chiefs business trip. You know, I, I think they win this game like 23 to 10 or excuse me, 28 to 10, uh, you know, something like that, where I, I think, you know, they, they do what they need to do in the first half. I would be betting unders on Patrick Mahomes, like attempts, props, yardage props, things like that. I, I think this is a, a big time Isaiah Pacheco spot for most of the second half. Yeah, I don't think the Chiefs empty the clip here either. I think that, that that's... Yeah, that, that's a fair summation. Like they're just going to get in, get out, get this one over with and, you know, mm-hmm. do what they need to do to, to build the comfortable lead and just kind of put it on ice. So um, definitely like the, the Chiefs, even with that big number, the, the Rams are just uh, that big of a disaster. And and really, you know, sometimes there's a, a switch to a quarterback that I liked in college. You know, I'll be like, wait a second. You know, there might be a little yeah. bit more here. Not in, in Perkins's case, unfortunately. Now, undrafted. Uh, out of Virginia is, is Bryce Perkins. And, you know, they're, they're giving him first team reps as of Wednesday. We should clarify. I mean, technically there's a chance that Stafford could play in this game. It's still kind of up in the air, whether he's actually in protocols or not for a concussion. But uh, at this point, I would say trending pretty hard uh, toward Bryce Perkins taking uh, the, the, the opening snap here. Uh, Saints 49ers, one of the late games on Sunday coming into the year on paper, this was a fun matchup. We're now seeing the Niners as nine and a half point favorites. It feels like the Niners are, are peaking at the right time as they seem to do around this time all uh, every season. Uh, big win in Mexico City. I know you like the Cardinals uh, to, to maybe give them a little bit of a scare and you know, they were able to keep it close for a quarter. But man, when that Niners offense is humming like it was on Sunday night, that team, my goodness, uh, that was a uh, that was a scary looking offense. And I think part of it was uh, some you know, some Cardinals players like opting out uh, of tackling Debo Samuel and yep. George Kittle in the second half of that game. That that certainly played a factor. But, um, you know, a, a, a lot of things uh, up in the air for the Saints team right now. And I, I think this is a, a really good spot for the 49ers. And look, it's not a double digit spread, so we don't have to sound the alarm here. It's only nine and a half. Yep. So that that that's beautiful. And the ran, or the Saints, I'm sorry, I don't believe that they've covered a spread on the road uh, this year. I believe they're 0-4 against the number away from the Superdome. So I, you know, I'm buying in. I, I think that the, the Niners probably ended up playing what, what will go down as their best game of the season, most complete game of the season this past week. But I, I think that, you know, we're starting to see them really roll and, you know, the NFC, I think it's a little bit more up to discussion now because we know what the, the Niners 
a game looks like and the, and the Eagles have maybe not looked as great in, in recent weeks. So I, th- I think that, you know, if you're looking at the futures market, NFC winner, 49ers, I don't hate that bet. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, man. It, it's starting to it's starting to look like they're, you know, especially if you compare them to a team like Minnesota, uh, I think everybody would take San Francisco at this point. I mean, a, a Niners-Eagles NFC title game is what I'm rooting for at this point. And I would imagine that's the the most likely result if you're looking to bet on that right now at that MGM. And you're right about New Orleans, 0-4 ATS on the road. They are 0-3 ATS coming off of a win this season as well. So just haven't really been able to string any kind of momentum together. Uh, this brings us to Packers-Eagles. We discussed this one a little bit uh, at the top. Eagles, seven-point favorites here. Uh, you know, I, I know I was listening to a pod yesterday, and and you know, one guy who I respect said you know, he thinks the Eagles should be 10-point favorites in this game. Maybe some lingering respect being put on the name of Aaron Rodgers, but um, you know, like I said, I, last week to me felt like the do or die game. Green Bay's entire season hinged on a home Thursday night game against the Tennessee Titans. They didn't get it done. Uh, it, it's kind of an unfamiliar spot now for Green Bay with with nothing to play for essentially at this point in the season. I, you know, part of me kind of wants to zag against my own analysis and say, well, I, I think this is you know a spot where Green Bay could no show. I thought that about the Dallas game two weeks ago, and they showed up with their best game of the year. I, I just I don't know where they find the motivation here on the road against Philly. Right. So, I mean, it, it comes down to essentially that does Aaron Rodgers want to get just rocked on Sunday night football and on a national stage, he's always been great on Sunday night. So I, I think that I, this is one where I, I, the number really plays in so, so huge to me, like it seven is, is the magic number. So we, we need, we would need the Eagles to win by more than a touchdown. They're certainly capable of that. Uh, but I am going to bet against it. I, I think that the Packers can can keep it to a touchdown. I, I could definitely see this end up ending up a, as a push, basically. So I mean, I, I don't feel strong on this one. And uh, as the number stands, I think there's just a little bit too too much in favor of the Eagles. So I, I will go with the with the, the road dogs and, and take the Packers. I don't feel great, but that's where yeah. I'm at with it. So if this was Eagles six and a half, would you flip the other way? Yeah, I think I think I would. I think I would. But now we're now we're crossing that magic number. Michael Rathburn yeah. in his column every every week that the early look ahead lines talks about those magic numbers. Got to listen to him. Yeah, always follow the Rath man. Uh, Monday night we get the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. I, I this is just a, a nightmare matchup uh, in terms of trying to pick this game. Uh, Colts get the standard two and a half at home. I think that's fine. Uh, kind of tough to tell if the Pittsburgh offense really made strides last week. Some of that production came uh, in semi-garbage time against Cincinnati, but still put up 30 points. I mean, this has yeah. been the worst offense in the league for most of the season. Uh, they, they seem to have unlocked something with Najee Harris. I mean, there's the obvious chemistry between Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Uh, I think getting Chase Claypool out of there has kind of freed up George Pickens a little bit more. Uh, and meanwhile, the Colts, you know, they, they pull off the big win over the Raiders in, in the Jeff Saturday Bowl two weeks ago. They, they played the Eagles really well. Last week, I think that defense showed up. They had maybe the best game plan defensively that we've seen against Jalen Hurts all season. Um, but I, I, I kind of find myself gravitating towards the Steelers here, getting their guys back on defense. I mean, that was a winnable game for the Steelers against Cincinnati last week. And, you know, they're another another one of those teams that you start to do the math and it's like, well, you know, the path to the playoffs really isn't there. They do still have the motivation to try to salvage a 500 year uh, for Mike Tomlin. It's going to be an uphill battle, but I, I find myself liking the Steelers on the road. Yeah, I, it, this one is is really tough. Um, I think you lay out a really good case for for the Steelers. I, I just feel like Kenny Pickett, he can do things that that really just kind of take the Steelers out of the game. I, I think that his like you know turnover proneness is something that that could show up or continue to to get worse. So him going on the on the road, um, I just feel like. I'm just going to take the the home side, even if it, I don't really have a ton of good things to say about Indianapolis necessarily. But they 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 have shown a pulse since Jeff Saturday t- uh, took over. That they, they really, uh, you know, might be kicking themselves for for not winning that game last week against the Eagles. They they really kind of had that thing in control. Had had the Eagles on the ropes, definitely. I think that you know uh, this is a spot where I'll just I'll ride with the home team and, and a small number. So we'll, we'll go with it. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I wish I had like this really like airtight case for why the Steelers are, are winning this game, but yeah, I, I'm not going to fight you on just defaulting to the home team and what could be the closest game of the week. Total sitting at 39. I like, I like the under here. I, I, yes. don't, I don't know that. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're, we we do not want to get fooled by Pittsburgh 
putting up a big number last week. I think that probably comes back down. This Colts defense has quietly been very good despite missing Shaq Leonard for essentially the entire year. So uh, I, I'm envisioning like a 17 to 13 type of result here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the under as well. This is not going to be an offensive showcase. I, I think the schedule makers are uh, maybe kicking themselves a little bit for making sure that this this one was going to be on Monday night. They, they had a chance to flex this, but look, it, if nothing else, this is a reminder that the Steelers are a very public team that always generates ratings. That, that that's that's true. Even when they're not so great, uh, they, they can they can absolutely still do that. We saw a lot of them with late stage Ben Roethlisberger on, on national TV. And I guess Kenny Pickett isn't actually all that much worse than what we were seeing from from old Ben. All right, let's get to our parlays. Teasers of the week. Uh, you know, the, the underdog parlays got killed last week, John. Oh, yeah. We went we went big. Uh, the, the Bears did not come through for me. Um, you know, I, 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 I had the Vikings as well. Obviously, I, I don't remember what happened in that game. I don't think they won. Uh, you know, went against my better judgment through the Jets in the underdog parlay as well. Uh, you know, did have some action on the, on the, on the Patriots winning that game as well to, to kind of offset it. But uh, let, let's watch those ones down the drain. We're starting anew this week. Uh, give me, give me first your your Turkey Day parlay, uh, and then we'll get into the underdog. Okay, so yes, we we got to have something uh, cooked up for for Thursday. Got got to bring a side with us. Um, so th- this one, uh, I dialed it back in. Uh, went with okay. mostly uh, safe ones here, but you can still get almost two to one. So we we need the Bills to win, we need the Cowboys to win, and we need Pats Vikings to go under forty two. If those things happen, that pays out plus one ninety one. I feel like all that's pretty feasible and you, you get two to one on it. You're in plus money. Uh, you're, you're getting, you know, two, two money lines for teams that are big, big favorites. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Obviously the, the liability would be that the total that's more of a 50, 50 proposition. Um, but, you know, I think when there's Mac Jones and also Kirk cousins in prime time, there's recipe for, for not a lot of points being scored. Yeah, I, I'm not going to fight you on Bill's money line or Cowboy's money line. Uh, I'll tell <laughs> you that. come right at me with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you fool. I, uh, yeah, I, I think your biggest liability here is clearly that that total in Pat's Vikings, but uh, I, I like it. You know, not not touching either of the money lines there, I think, is a smart play. And uh, like you said, Kirk Cousins primetime plus Mac Jones, uh, to me, that, that, that usually will equal uh, the under on 42. So I like where your head's at there. Uh, I'm going all over the board here. I'm not sticking to the Turkey Day games. My, my parlay of the week, uh, we're coming in at similar value. This will get you around plus 190. Uh, Ravens just need to win. Seahawks need to win. 49ers need to win. I like that. I like that. And what, is that, what does that add up to? About two to one almost? Almost two to one. Yeah, almost the exact same odds as yours. These, these are kind of shifting dynamically, but uh, it'll come in around plus 190. Love that. I, I think that uh, you know the the liability is probably the Seahawks, but even still, I feel great about them this week. So I mean, you 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 toss in the Ravens, who who we both think are going to win, and, and the Niners, and yeah, that that comes out pretty nicely. So I, I like what you got built there. Okay, I, I feel I feel safer about this one uh, than I have the last couple of weeks. I'll say that, which is you know probably a, a warning to anyone thinking about betting this. But uh, Ravens, Seahawks, 49ers money lines. That is the parlay of the week. Let's go to the underdog parlay of the week, John. Okay, so I, I know that the, part of this flies in the face of, of uh, me flipping on the Jets uh, a couple segments ago, but I will do Titans money line. I will do the Bears money line. So again, there, there's a way in which the, the Bears can win this one on, on Sunday and the Browns uh, beating the, the Buccaneers. So if, if that hits, that's uh, 13, a little bit over 13 uh, to one. So that that's not too shabby there. Not at all. I like the value there. I, uh, I, I'm especially worried about the bears and the Browns, but look, it's the underdog parlay for a reason. So I'm not going to talk you out of that. Uh, I'm involving the Titans as well. Uh, they're my favorite dog this week, a, a very slight underdog at home. We already talked about that uh, against Cincinnati. I'm breaking in the Panthers at home against the Broncos Broncos going cross country. I mean, this is an offense that we know is not capable of scoring whatsoever. So if the Panthers can find any sort of magic uh, behind Sam Darnold. I mean, if they could get to 20 points, they're winning this game. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then throwing in the Steelers as well uh, the, on the Monday night game. So we might be sweating this one out. Uh, if we hit those first two, you're going to have to wait till Monday night. But that gets you uh, to almost 9-1, to one, plus 870 uh, if the Titans, Panthers, and Steelers all win. And look, under you know, dogs are covering this year. And right. we're just talking money lines here. So it's a little more difficult, but uh, pretty significant value to be had. Uh, I'll throw out a teaser 
of the week. We, we hit the six and a half pointer last week, John. Uh, we had the 49ers uh, minus one and a half. They win with these. We had the Ravens uh, minus six and a half. They win that game. It was ugly, but they got it done. Uh, and we had the Bills minus one and a half. So that hit at plus 150. We're going up to a seven point teaser this week. We are teasing the Carolina Panthers up to nine and a half points. They just have to cover nine and a half at home against Denver. We're teasing the Tennessee Titans up to eight and a half. And we are teasing the Miami Dolphins down to six and a half. So we're, we're trying to uh, compensate for, for a potential letdown here for Miami. I mean, it's, it's almost inconceivable at home against a backup quarterback, Houston Texans team. Uh, but, you know, trying to trying to mitigate uh, some risk here. We'll get, give the Dolphins uh, a touchdown cushion. I, I like exactly where your head's at with, with all of those. I mean, that that's a good good usage of, of the seven-point teaser and, and how that, you know, kind of – Kind of alters those lines just to the right spot. I love the the, the Panthers uh, part of that as well. Titans, you know, I can't expect even if they uh, they don't win, which would you know obviously fly in the face of our uh, of our other parlays. But you know, it, even if they lose, don't think they get they get totally rinsed. So they they can definitely hold on to that eight and a half. And then uh, Dolphins, yeah, they're they're beating the Texans by at least a touchdown. So I, I like where you've put that in. And you know, hey. This could just be the start of you know you you being on a teaser heater. I might just be a teaser guy. Yeah, we might just have to start uh, you know eliminating our best bets, like not even hand out picks for the games. We just go all teasers the entire show. Uh, Titans to me is the biggest liability there. I know eight and a half. It, it is a big number, but you know if Jamar Chase is back, and we should know Joe Mixon's still in concussion protocol uh, as of today. Uh, obviously, they were just fine with Samaj P. Ryan three touchdowns last week, so maybe you don't view that as as too big of an issue, but. That, that one to me is what I'm most worried about. I, I, I'm pretty confident that that Broncos-Panthers game is going to be low scoring. Um, I, I think the Broncos could certainly win, but if they do that, I, I don't see them blowing the Panthers out by any means. Um, but Cincinnati, when they're rolling, they could blow anybody out. Yeah, they, they are. They're very mercurial. We know that their A game is about as good as anyone's, but uh, they, they really haven't busted it out mm-hmm. too much this year. And Tennessee's a tough team to, to do that against, even if you're at close to full strength with, with Jamar Chase, hopefully. Uh, back in the mix here. All right. So if you want to back us on any of these parlays or these teasers, make sure you're doing that over at BetMGM. You can use our promo code BetRoto for that first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Do that at BetMGM.com or the BetMGM app. It's time to lock it up, John. Where are you going this week? Uh, I will I will do a little bit of home cooking here. I'm going to say that the Ravens minus four is my best bet this week over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. You're not going to get much resistance there. Uh, Ravens going on the road to the house that Josh Scobie built. Ravens minus four. I'm locking up Seattle. I'm locking up the Seattle Seahawks. This is more so uh, a pick against the Raiders. Uh, I I just really find myself uh, having a a lot of internal vitriol toward this Raiders team (laughs) this season. I I think with this game being in Seattle, Seattle's off a bye. Uh, I think they have proven on the whole to be a good team. This season, um, the Raiders have not been able to string anything together. Every time it seems like they are putting something together, they have a major letdown the next week. I think we get that again. So friendly number to me. I think this could easily be Seattle four, four and a half. Um, obviously, we'd like it to, to be a point lower, but we'll take Seattle minus three and a half uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 